to another amazing episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey guys. And I know I've promised 16 Big Big Boss that we would cover your game for the last couple shows. <laughs> and we finally are going to do it. We're going to be talking about Terranigma for the Super Nintendo, a game that was never released in North America, but was released in Japan and Europe. So we do have an official way to play this uh, in English. We're not just trying to play a, a weird fan translation. So uh, mm-hmm. we're going to get into that in a minute, but it's been... Almost a month. It's been a, a, an unintentional vacation at the end of my actual vacation for, for main feed shows <laughs> for this podcast. So I'm sure you've been, you've had all this extra time, Billy. What have you been playing since our last show? Yeah, I, I have had all this time uh, since the last show. Weeks. I, You know what? That's enough time to beat several games. That's an, enough time to, to get a meaty RPG besides what we're doing here and, and see it through. Uh, but I've been playing Fallout 76, and I, and uh, a tad bit. I need to play Diablo. Damn it, I hadn't finished it yet. But that 76 keeps drawing me. In. Uh, that that's the majority. Uh, that's kind of the game we we settle in with in the evening and play through. And the, the evening turns to late, but then you get up in the morning. I'm I just I'm itching for it. Something, something bad's going on. I think about it a lot, and I want to get on there. Uh, I'm probably gonna get on there right after this. Um, but other than that, I did start um, on Game Pass. There's this game called Bookwalker, and it is actually a pr- pretty damn good game. I didn't know what I was getting into with it. I kind of just like a lot of games on Game Pass. I mean, you're not out anything besides a, a few minutes. I kind of downloaded it based on the 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 art for it, and it's it's turned into a pretty damn good game. It, uh, it's it's a kind of a mix of a first person. But the, the most action takes place in kind of that, that what is it? It's like the Diablo view. I, I can't remember the exact angle that is. But um, it's, it's that view. Um, it's really a throwback without being a point and click. It's very pointy and clicky. Uh, very. But there's a lot of items and use this item somewhere and things like that. But no, uh, it's it's been mainly... Mainly those. There's a little splash of Destiny 2 in there. Um, but I think that'll be revisited at some point. But those have been the the, the main ones. Oh, and I, I think earlier in the month there was some Stardew here and there for the person that was, was sick of me talking about Stardew Valley over the last five years. I was playing a little bit of it. Um, I, I won't go into detail, though. But that's about it for me. Well, if they need details, they can listen to basically any other episode of this podcast and probably yes, get more pick, detail pick one. on Stardew Valley, uh, what you've been playing. Now, I, unsurprisingly, uh, bought Pikmin 4 mm-hmm. the day it came out. Uh, it came yes. out very in the last month, and I was very excited for it. I said previously, uh, I'm sure on this podcast, but definitely on our Discord, this was like the game I was looking forward to the most this year, mm-hmm. even over the, the new Zelda game, which is great, but I've put a total of maybe three hours into it because it wasn't Pikmin 4. I played... I haven't 100%ed a game in forever, and I'm Mm -hmm. very close to 100%ing Pikmin 4. I've done, I've explored every map, I've found every item you can get, I've done all the side missions and side quests. The only thing I haven't done uh, that I would say I have to do to get 100% is there are these kind of timed challenges that that are kind of bonus Mm. things you can do. You just have to get them in a certain time to pass it. I've done that, but to get, you know, platinums on each one, you've got to get the crazy time. I have not done that, and I will do it, because I think... At first, I wasn't sure because the Pikmin 4 starts out and I thought it was extremely easy for a Pikmin game, which is Oof. already not a hard game, but it was very easy. Didn't have a lot of challenge. Mm-hmm. 
and I got to the credits and I was like, oh, that's um, that that was only about 10 hours. And I don't understand how I got to the credits here. There's a story that's not mm-hmm. done, but it does the same thing. A, a, a lot of games have done this where there's kind of like a checkpoint end so you can see some credits. But then the second half of the game starts and it's not like that's the first half redone. It's an it's an additional mission that's actually really the story that starts after those credits. And that's much more difficult. And again, all those challenges where you have to get platinums if you're trying for that can be very difficult. So I'm, I'm fully enjoying it. I'm assuming there will be some sort of DLC at some point that I will 100% buy. Uh, perfect. Love it. Very did excited you, uh, that it's as good. You get that Pikmin drink? I did get the Pikmin drink. I didn't even know it existed, but someone on our Discord put it up and then my kids were like, Dad, right. you know there's a Pikmin drink at Kung Fu Tea? It's fine. Uh, they, they, it, you can get whatever, but they basically the Pikmin themed drink is like this pink Slurpee thing with boba in the bottom. It's mm-hmm. fine. It's too sweet for me. My kids loved it, but I got to keep the cool cup and like a, a mm-hmm. straw slash pencil topper that looks like a leaf. I'm all about it. It's very cool. Um, oh, yeah. But Billy... I need you to hang on to your seats because I was on vacation. So the first part of my vacation, oh, okay. I didn't play anything but the game we're going to talk about today, but ter- but a lot of Terra Enigma. And then my second vacation, I was going to play Pikmin 4, but my kids were on the Switch the whole time because they didn't have their tablets and stuff. So I didn't really get to use the Switch. So I had to find something else to do. And I think I had the most Billy vacation game-wise that I've yeah. ever taken. Not What'd only did I start playing, because it's now on, out now on iOS, Stardew Valley. Yeah. <laughs> Started playing. Welcome on board. Oh my God. How, how, how you like it? I mean, I'm going to be honest. I, I would like to say I don't get it, but I do get it. It's animal crossing style or, or harvest moon or one of those games, right? It's, it's very much. If I had time to sit there and play it, I, I see how it would work. I see how I get into it. Being on my phone. I means I don't play it too often, even though I have my phone with me at all Mm -hmm. times. I'm not going to sit there and play Stardew Valley at work uh, as much as I'd love to, but I'm, I'll play like a day in the game every day or so and mm-hmm. i'm slowly making progress mm-hmm. I, I i'm enjoying it do i think it's something i would talk about for three years on this podcast or i guess six years on this podcast probably not um but i am enjoying yeah. it and i i did play a lot of that when i was in maine mm-hmm. but the other thing i did and i swore i would do this i finally caught multiple fish in super black bass holy hell yeah i i was forever bewildered and i have been since then how and that super black bass you never caught a fish never yeah. So I am I, I am thrilled. I, I, I genuinely am. I am I am happy for you that you caught multiple, not just one. Like most people would have caught one and been like, I caught one and we're done. You wanted to make sure it wasn't a fluke. Yeah. You wanted to prove that lightning can strike twice. Well, so, and, uh, and after I caught one fish, my, you get mm-hmm. a level. So I was like, oh, I got a level. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. Now what happens? So I had to keep trying. See? It turns out, yeah. um, I mean, again, I can see the draw, uh, but I still was not very good at it. I don't think I ever got a fish that wasn't referred to as a runt, uh, but that's okay. Yeah. I had fun. I caught some fish, and then I moved on to play more of, of Terra Enigma. But you know what? If I can say, oh, I am glad that at least for a little bit, Super Black Bass Real GM. It did. Look at that. You, we didn't even wait, save that for uh, keeping a real episode. Well done. Um, but Jeremy, what have you been playing since our last episode? I don't think I've played a video game since we hey. did the last Man. podcast. I, what are you, I what really, are you doing? You haven't I, got a life, have you? Well, I've been trying to, to get one, but you know, <laughs> I, I work most of the days. And, and on the weekends mm-hmm. lately, I've been going out and uh, to, to the various states around here and, and yeah, things that's yeah. happening and, and making some videos for YouTube. Yeah. I was about you to know, say our YouTube, our YouTube channel would would show that you're you're a regular man about town now. Yeah, so there's a few videos up there. Uh, you know, we went out to uh, Cincinnati, and recent the, the most recent one that I put up is um, 
the the horror hound convention that mm-hmm. I just went to last weekend. They were nice enough to give me a press pass, so I was able to go around and and kind of you know get the get the red carpet thrown out for for me anyway, as as far as being able to take video because usually it's if you try to get video in public, it is not an easy task um, because people just are in your way and it's kind of hard to to deal with people. But when you've got a press pass hanging around your neck, people get out of your way and they also really want to talk to you, which is also kind of annoying in a different way because I don't really do interviews. I'm just here like, you know, let me take cool pictures of this and then I'll get out of your way. But yeah, they, it was fun to go to and just see all the weird shit. Cause I've never been to a horror convention before. And, and you know, Seeing all the different merchandise and and the they had like this big mask fest that you know I spent half the video on. It was just so cool, you know. I I hadn't seen stuff like that, and I, you know the whole, I guess like cottage industry of making incredibly expensive Halloween masks that I did not know about. Uh, it was fun to experience, and uh, by God, if if I would have had a lot more money. I, I would have yeah. probably spent it all on several of those masks. And I'm not talking about, you know, like a hundred, two hundred dollars. These things are going for like a thousand bucks or more, you know. It, it's it's insane what was there. That that entire video, it it just looked dangerous. It did. If I would have been there with a little bit of cash flow, uh and 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 a behind the scenes a behind the scenes thing. Um, Jeremy posted, I, I think, a couple of screenshots or something of it, and you had some Night of the Creeps merchandise on there. Oh. And yeah. Jeremy P. stated it first, but I was equally enthused. <laughs> uh, that, that's uh, phenomenal. Um, and so much of the shit on there is incredible. And yeah, that that is the thing where I could really um, get into some trouble at home if I'm left there alone financially. Yeah. It, it, there's just there's a lot and you know if you're a b movie whore for the whole time i was going through here i was like man jeremy p would just be naked at this point running through the <laughs> just lost his mind at what what's what's here because it was all the reviews and stuff that he used to do for those old b movies and everything it was just all mm-hmm. here and it's I, I i for every aisle i went down i just saw him like having a, a breakdown in the middle yeah. of the aisle and being like i'm selling my children and buying mm-hmm. night of the creeps merchandise mm-hmm. so but overall it was a really cool time and i'm supposed to go to PopCon this weekend uh got got my press pass ready for that too so we're gonna we're gonna check that out yeah and the and gonna try to do more running around to the different um, you know cities and stuff like that in the Midwest just to check out stuff that we don't have here mm-hmm. in Indianapolis. So I guess keep an eye out for that. But really, yeah, that's Hell that's yeah. kind of what I've been doing. Well, you're gonna get me excited about going to conventions. I never go because I don't like leaving my house. But I live near Magfest and uh, BitGen and all these other gaming conventions. I never go to. Maybe I'll have to finally see if we're able to get press passes, and I'll I'll go check them out myself. I should have gone anyway, but this will give me yet another reason to. Uh, but I probably won't because I'll be busy playing patron requests like the one we're gonna talk about now, Terra Enigma for the Super Nintendo.
As mentioned at the start of the show, this is a bonus episode, and this game was picked by the 16-bit Big Boss, who's here to have us talk about Terra Nimga. Thank you for uh, picking this game for us. Yes, sir. Uh, now, this is a game that was not released in North America. It's, it's notorious because it wasn't released here and it was basically finished, but how did you play this since it was not released here the first time you played it? I would never uh, do anything illegal to play a video game that's 30-something years old that we're not allowed to have no. in the States. No, I, uh, I found other means to play this game. I guess, what did you heard about it? You were like, I have to try this. Some YouTube video somewhere I saw, and um, it was the, the allure of it was, hey, this is a great game, but like you said, not released in North America. And um, you know, in our modern world, everything is super connected, and so I don't know if you remember you go to the game store and you were a kid and you're like, I wonder what they have in this week. Or you get to travel in like different locations, different game stores that have different items. And um, I remember trying to buy games and stuff before eBay when you could just get whatever you wanted from wherever. And yeah. it was kind of like, uh, <laughs> you know, just like flea market finds or like almost like a real life treasure hunt. And I heard about this game that like you couldn't get in a store that you couldn't order offline. You had to, you know, kind of find it. It was almost like, and just the mystique of this is like, I got to, this highly praised and this is hard to find. It was almost just kind of like a throwback to uh to simpler times, you know. So that's kind of what made me want to play it so much. Well, I, yeah, you know, I I I worked in a game store before there was eBay. So even just in my own uh my own experience working in a store in the the mid to late nineties, I could call other stores and see if they had. Especially when we started taking used games, like they they would. I'd search the area. It would let me see what was in the other stores so I could call over there and have them ship it to me so I could get them. And even that seemed like magic at the time. eBay was completely an unbelievable yeah. thing. So uh, th this was this is a game none of us have played. I'm actually very excited for all of us to play through this one. Um, Jeremy specifically heard of it before, uh, but we had not played it, so this will be interesting to see what our thoughts are on it. So I, I haven't even cracked this open yet before doing this interview. I've made sure it works, but other than that, I haven't really put time into it yet. I'm going to take it on vacation with me and focus on it. I'm very excited about that. But if if you were to say, don't miss on this thing, or here's a piece of the game uh, or a gameplay mechanic I think is really interesting, what would that be? You know, it's kind of hard to miss stuff. It's a... Um... Some games are kind of like open world, and you just as long as you get to the end, you you get there however you want. Some games are more linear. It's just a little bit in the middle. Um, this isn't too much of a spoilers, I don't hope. But in the beginning, you kind of bring back the continents of the world as part of you know the initial like quest. And there's like different um, hidden islands that you can bring back that later on in the game um, have the late game contents and secrets. So you're definitely going to want to unlock. Um, enjoy the music. Um, the combat system is awesome. Um, I mean, the magic system you needed a little bit later on in the game. It's just, it's just a really, really fun game. There's not really like anything you can miss, but just, man, enjoy the ride. You mentioned that you found this because you'd, you'd seen a video on it and you were like, here's a game I could not play normally. So I have to hunt this thing down, you know, again, in the days where you couldn't just go online and find uh, ways to do such things. Are there other games you've looked for for the same kind of idea? You know, honestly, not really. Um, I'm not trying to dunk on. Well, there's not too many games that we didn't get released in, you know, North America. So I'm not like dunking on you know, places that didn't get these games or whatever. But like, this is just for whatever reason, this one just stuck out to me because the rest of the uh, this is part of the um, Heaven and Earth trilogy, like games that are kind of loosely uh, related. Illusion of Gaia, mm -hmm. Blazer. You can play those games pretty easily. Yes. Um, it's just something about this game just kind of just clicked in my brain, you know. Is there anything else about the game specifically you'd like to talk about? Oh, there's 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 one part early, a couple parts. There's one part early on where you're in these different. Uh, not to ruin this because it's so it's so awesome. I want to spoil it for you. Um, we're early on in these towers that you have to go to, and one of them requires jumping on 
my tight ropes. Um, whatever reason, the control and the hitboxes on those ropes is super jank. You're gonna, you're that part. You're gonna have a hard time, bad time. <laughs> it's 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 super finicky. But that's the only part that I know like that in the game. Watch out for that. Um, when you get to Bloody Mary, you're gonna want to run back to the castle you were previously and level up two or three times for whatever reason. It's just like this. It's not even a vertical, like a difficulty spike. It's like a difficulty 90 degree wall. Cliff. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that's, that really is the only part in that game. It's like, she just wiped me the first time and I was like, what the crap? Um, the run back, don't, you know, that's, that's the kind of notorious thing. Um, and there's this one scene with a goat in a pit. That sounds real bad, but it's a pretty uh, cool scene. Oh, that one kind of stuck with me. So it's a fun game. I'm glad you guys are getting to experience it. Um, I don't know if people are talking about it, which is kind of why I wanted to the game you guys talked about. Well, and it's I think it's the first game we've covered, at least on the main feed. I don't know on the Patreon feed, we kind of do whatever. But on the main feed, I think this is the first game we've covered that was not released in North America. So this will be interesting. Uh, is there anything you do online you'd like people to find uh, where they could find the 16-bit big balls? No, uh, I don't even. I'm just a guy. Uh, I'll recommend the uh, what I call a Retrovaniac special. Go down to Bojangles, get you a Cajun fillet with a piece of cheese. <laughs> that is a <laughs> that has become a staple of my diet. We're moving internationally here soon, so no Bojangles in South oh. America. So I'm trying to get all I can while I can. Uh, you, you'll have something equally amazing, I'm sure. Uh, that it's not Bojangles, but it will be a sad loss, a huge loss <laughs> for your diet. Probably good for your heart, though, to, to skip it on some Bojangles. So, uh, well, thank you so yes. much for talking about Bojangles with me, but also for picking Terran a game none of us have played uh, <laughs> that probably a lot of people out here may not have even heard of. Uh, and we'll talk, find out what Billy and Jeremy think uh, right after this. So thank you for coming on. Yes, sir. Thank you all. Guys, I had never played Terranuba. Not a surprise. It's not a game that came out in the U.S., but it is one I had heard of because it was one of those games that was kind of a, uh, why wasn't this released here? It was in English. It's a it's a, a solid game by a solid developer. Uh, it, it, this was published by Enix and developed by Quintet, who had also previously done Soul Blazer and Illusion of Gaia. This is kind of the third game in this, this kind of unofficial trilogy. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I'm surprised it didn't come out here, but uh, it just turns out just due to the closing of Enix's North American offices right around the same time, they just didn't have a real easy method to do so, and no one else decided to publish it, so Terranigma just never came out here. But had either of you guys played this game before? No, I, I had no clue about this game. And like I said, uh, this just, it wasn't, I flirted with this being my genre game, but I never really got that far into it until much later on so I, I don't know if even if it was here for us at that time i would have would have really given it the time of day um but i no, I, I was not aware of the existence of this game at all until it came time for the puck no i i didn't know it existed either i i, I played through illusion of gaia which i guess is the the middle game in this trilogy by quintet and i love that game Mm-hmm. Uh, I rented that back in the day when I was a kid and, and played through it in like a weekend. It wasn't super long, but it was really fun. You know, just a really solid action RPG. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, over the years, I, I'd hear people talk about, oh, you know, the, uh, Terra Enigma, you know, that's the sequel to Illusion of Gaia and all this stuff. And 
they kind of speak about it in hushed tones and they'd be like, Oh, it's life changing. Oh, this, you know, mm-hmm. the story is, is, is just a magnum opus for RPGs and things like that. And mm-hmm. it's like, what, what the fuck y'all yeah. talking about? Illusion of Guy was, was a fun little action adventure game. I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about with this game. Mm-hmm. So when this came up to actually do, I was, I was, I was looking forward to it because mm-hmm. of just how much I enjoyed Illusion of Gaia. Now are these, these games, uh, f- please forgive me. I have not played any of these, I have played some of these three games, but not to the length. Are they tied together, or is it just a, a loose trilogy, or what is, what's going on It's here? a loose trilogy. There are some ties to the previous okay. games. If you okay. like played Soul Blazer, Illusion of Gaia, there are people named things mm-hmm. that you recognize, but they, they're more just references or, or kind of fan service mm-hmm. in this game. So we're talking, we're talking Final Fantasy Sid type thing yeah yeah on that on that level it's not quite even that tied together like there there are parts of final fantasy where every one of those games you know at first was based around the crystals and everything else this is just these are kind of thematic okay exploration and and change related stories i suppose uh but this one being the the most story-wise drastic of the three Uh, although admittedly i've not played soul blazer and i barely remember illusion of gaia um but this game is uh, like the other two games, it is an action RPG. So something like we mm-hmm. had covered um, Secret of Mana, right? Something along those lines. It's not a straight RPG. It's not turn-based combat. It You run around like you no. would in, in a Zelda game or, you know, Beyond Oasis or whatever. And instead of just getting better weapons to get stronger, you do have experience and you do get magic and you do get some other skills and things you learn as you go through the game that make it more of an RPG than just a straight action adventure game. Um in this game, you are Ark. Uh, the, 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 when you start the game, there's actually... Let me start the game. When you start the game, there's this overarching story of, you know, good versus evil, uh, chaos versus, versus, versus order, dark versus light kind of thing. And uh, in the past uh, of whatever this world is, which seems very Earth-like, uh, dark and light had a battle, uh, like a, a final ultimate battle, and, and darkness essentially won and was able to freeze the world in time, more or less. Um, so you're starting the game as Ark. You're a a, a kind of a, a boy that lives in this monastery kind of area. It's a very small town, uh, and and the elder that lives in that you work for, I guess, or the elder that, that kind of teaches you, uh, you know, just sends you out to do some simple stuff around the town. But when you come back, you notice he has a locked door, and all the other kids in the in the mm-hmm. in the monastery want you to open this door because you're like the troublemaker. So, it, you know, it starts out like any any RPG where you're like, oh, yeah, I'm the kid, I'm going to get my adventure. There's some little thing that kicks me off. Well, what you do when you open this door is you basically find this magical box that unleashes a demon uh, and freezes everybody in town. Like, it turns everyone, like, almost like a statue. Uh, and the, except for the elder who kind of tells you what you need to do to free everybody. It's like, if you do this, you can't come back here till your quest is finished. Um, but if you want to save everyone, what you need to do is go to these towers that are throughout our land and, you know, that you were never allowed in before, and now go into them and solve their mysteries or whatever. And that starts your quest. The quest is much larger than this, but this is just how the quest starts. Is you you going outside of the town, and the first thing you'll notice when you leave your town is that the overworld map in the game, unlike a game like Final Fantasy or Dragon Warrior or whatever, there aren't random encounters. It's an overworld map that looks like an RPG map, but it's just to go around from point to point to get to different dungeons or towns or whatever. There's no random encounters, but it has this weird scrolling effect where the, the top and the bottom of the screen... 
I don't know what what how you would describe this. Maybe we know you guys can describe it a little better than me. But it looks like they were scrunched up and discolored. So it it at first it's very jarring. I thought the outdoor map for the very start of the game was yeah. very jarring. Now there's a reason for that, but I still was like, what exactly is this? It's it's bad to the point to where I thought something was wrong with the with the version I was playing. I, I was like, this this can't be how it, how it fucking looks. But I I checked a couple of videos and yeah, that's that's. That's how, if there's a reason for it, I'd love to hear it. I, I don't know. It looks like almost a mode seven gone, gone awry. Well, you're not there long because basically from town, mm -hmm. you're basically doing this kind of big circle around this, what what looks yes. to be an, a, a small continent or, or a large island um, that looks very desolate, but there are these towers. You go to the first tower, you kind of see this little cinematic that explains, you know, shows that the tower opens up for you, and then it becomes a regular action scene, like you'd see in a game like Legend of Zelda Temple or something. And the first part of the game is going to these these five different towers that are all their own separate little temples with with kind of boss fights at the end, not incredibly tough boss fights, but a, but a hard monster fight or something at the end, uh, and it's just straight action. Yes, you have weapons and armor that you can find in the dungeon and chests, but it's very Zelda-like, right? You don't have the only town you've been to is your town. Everyone there's a statue except for yourself and the Elder. There's nothing to buy. There's no items you can get. Everything you get, you find in chests. So for this first part of the game, where you're going through these five towers, and it was straight action from the first tower, like once I got in and did it and I went to the next tower, I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be a lot of these action sections all tied together. I was super into this. Like, I thought this was one of the neatest games I'd played because it is just straight, like, Zelda dungeons tied together without a lot of the stuff. Like, I don't I don't need a lot of the stuff you get in later Zelda games where you have all the side quests and collect quests and stuff. I was like, I, I just want to play action, puzzle, kind of platform, or, um, adventure dungeon areas. And this was five of those in a row. So I was really into this. Uh, the, the game controls very simply. Um, you move around with the D-pad. Uh, the X button does like a run dash that you, once you hit it once, your character will run over and over again until you attack or hit something. Uh, the B button jumps, the A button attacks, and your X button does magic. And at first you don't have, or uses your item, technically. X uses your item, uh, but to use magic, you need to kind of um, use, select a the box that you get from that, that demon as your, your magic item. And, and then when you do that, it lets you select which kind of magic you want to use. And we'll talk about the magic later because you don't start with any of it. Magic kind of comes <clears> in a little bit later. This game is very good at introducing you to the mechanics it has. At the beginning, the first area, it's just introducing you to running, jumping, attacking, and, yeah. and kind of just the, the dungeon setup that you're going to see for the rest of the game. I will tell you something I noticed outright from the beginning. There is banger after damn banger of music tracks in this game. I don't think I heard one, and I was like, hmm, that's a little rough. No, this is this, a fantastic, fantastic soundtrack. This is something that would make it into the car. It, it's good shit in this thing, um, but I, I, a game like this, I, you know, we we joke about spoiling, like old games, like ah, spoil this thirty year old game. But when a game like this relies so much on the story, I, I don't want to go. You know, I, I don't want to say too much unless that's the direction we're going in. Um, but you you unleash, un, uh, it's always unwitting. You can't have the hero do it purposefully or he's not the hero anymore uh the, this demon but the way they do the inventory system on this and the menu screen yes yes is incredible because it's almost it's not just text it is a you go to a whole other dimension and you pick you're in rooms for your inventory each part of your inventory has rooms your weapons every everything uh it's just it's such an innovative inventory system that i i don't think i've seen again 
like I, I, this is like this is it I, I don't know how this didn't take off making going through inventory not fucking boring as hell like this is uh, hats off to them way ahead of their time and i guess still because i i hadn't seen it elsewhere fable 3 did it fable 3 uh that's probably yeah i played fable 3 you know it says a lot about fable 3 i don't remember yeah fable i know. 3. i remember fable 2 not 3 well, yeah, i they- brought that damn dog back to life the hell with the rest of them <laughs> Yeah, the rest of them weren't sniffing. Out, the rest of them weren't sniffing out treasure for me. Yeah, the inventory screen was the number one thing I wrote on my sheet. As soon as I got started playing, I was like, the way they do inventory mm-hmm. and, and status and everything else in this game is is really cool. Sure, on the screen when you're out, you can see your health total and you can see how much money you have and stuff uh, and what your active item is. But when you want to change your active item, if you want to change your weapons or armor, or if you want to just see how much experience you need for the next level or um, you know what magic items and stuff you've gathered, you hit the select button and your character basically jumps into that box that the demon came out of. That That's one of the things you, you learn from the demon is if you jump into the box, it takes to other dimension and and that's literally just like billy said it makes your inventory and really everything else to, to, to manage mm-hmm. your character uh more interesting than just a a select screen and a bunch of text now i would say it almost goes too far in that when i wanted to just change a weapon or arm or items i was like can i just isn't there just a faster way to do this like i wish i could hold down r1 and like my items would come up in a menu and i could just pick another item instead of having to watch the animation of my guy jump into a box and then if i'm not mm-hmm. on the item screen you have to pick the door that has the items in it and then go to that room and then find the item you want to do so it's not it's not bad it's innovative and interesting but it made it a little more cumbersome than i'd like when i was in the heat of things and wanted to just move things along faster um but i did think from the get-go though i was like that's a really interesting way to do all your inventory and everything else. Um, along with, so you have a screen for weapons, a screen for armors, and it will show you there uh, on those screens, like your armors and weapons are like on pedestals. You can walk around and see them. It tells you how much, what the difference in strength is versus what you have uh, currently equipped. Uh, it doesn't tell you like, oh, this weapon has 10 damage. Instead, it's like it's two points higher or two points lower than what you currently have on. So you always can tell relatively if it's stronger or weaker than what you have on. For both weapons and armor, uh, there's an item screen that shows all your items. It kind of explains what they all do. Uh, it's not just one-use items like potions uh, and and uh, healing items or, or poison healing potions and things. Uh, you'll also get stat increase items that are one-use only, but you also get... Items you'll find that are kind of story items, like if it's, if you need a key to open a certain door, the key will show up there, and then you have to make sure you highlight that key, make it your active item, and then have it equipped when you go up to that door to unlock it. Otherwise, it will not unlock the door. So it's it's mm. not just single-use items. It's all items are on a screen. Mm. But then the fourth screen is, call, is just like this main screen that shows... Uh, like it has a, a little like how to play section in it. It's got a, a picture of your character that you can select on the side. And it shows how much how many experience points you need for the next level. Uh, it, it's it's neat to have all those screens. Again, I thought it was was a really interesting way to do it, but it definitely made it a little bit longer, especially when I was trying to see how much experience I had. That was the thing because uh, it's a it's an action RPG, so there are sections where you want to kind of grind a little bit, and I found that irritating to have to constantly watch those animations to go down, select the thing, tell me how much experience I needed. Like that could have been on the pause screen. You could pause and it could tell your experience. That would have made me completely happy and probably would have avoided my complaint that that's cumbersome. Uh, but it's mm-hmm. not, it's not a massive complaint. It is a 5% complaint, but a 95%. That's a really cool way to do this sort of thing in these games. Mm-hmm. I do agree with you, Billy. I don't want to give away the overall story, but I think no, the way this, that the game, uh, this, uh, I mean, it, it relies heavily on, on the story. I think we can safely go. So the game is built out of four chapters, essentially, or four mm-hmm. acts. Mm-hmm. The first act is this introduction level where you're, you're in this kind of weird area with these towers. Um, 
without giving away overall plot pieces, I think, I would like to explain just kind of how things progress. So you finish that section, and essentially you're waking the world up. By, by going to yeah. all these towers, you're, you're, oh you're bringing the world back alive, like all these different continents that you'd see that look like Earth. Maybe it's like a pre-Earth, or maybe it's an Earth-like planet, but it's it's mm-hmm. very Earth-like that you're bringing things back. Different continents um, that you'll recognize the shapes or, or the names are slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, after you finish those five towers, then there's a section where it moves you to the next act. And the next act is, Ark is now going through these these outdoor continents that are alive and then your map looks normal again so that's where you kind of realize okay whatever i was in before wasn't quite the planet i don't know what it was but now i'm on what seems to be i'm just going to call it earth i don't know if if the planet's called earth or not but uh it's probably terra because that would make a lot of sense um then you're going through what looks more like a standard rpg style map where the the tops and bottoms don't look all weird and you're going from area to area to bring life back onto this planet. So first you have to bring plants back. And that means you go to an area, you go through another action dungeon, like a Zelda style dungeon, um, where you will have to, to, you know, fight a bunch of bosses. Eventually you'll kill like a giant tree. And that makes Mm -hmm. it so that plants now come back uh, all over the world. And that changes the map somewhat. That's you get to a second section of this map. And then you'll have to bring back, I think it was uh, plants and birds and animals and then humans, I think, was the last one of those. You bring these back in four different areas with, with, with increasingly involved puzzle dungeons. But again, it's still mostly combat. Yes, you have to talk to some individuals, uh, either, you know, maybe there aren't people, but you're talking to things and, and learning what to do. But it's still like they're just kind of telling you where to go. And from there, you are doing, you know action RPG style fighting. And, and again, I had a great time. I didn't have to do a lot of, of of grinding. I think up through the first two acts, you don't need to do any of that unless you really want to. I found myself appropriately strong to do anything I was supposed to be doing. Um, but even in the second act, and I think, Billy, you and I kind of talked about this earlier, uh, this game... The first act, it's like, okay, good, I'm, I'm saving the world. Starting in the second act, you're you're kind of saving the world, but there's also things you're doing that are making things worse. And so there's this this definite, yeah. like, super dark turn on a lot of little things you're doing. You mentioned one that, that's, uh, that, that I think we can talk about without spoiling the plot of the game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So essentially, at one point, when you're doing this this Save the Animals quest, mm-hmm. you, you find, you know, let me look. look I have this oh, thing right the goat one. Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, there, there, there is a uh, yeah, I, and and this is the gist of the whole game. This is the, this is how dire, and and how just like depressing this game can be. And I don't mean it in a bad way when I say that. Um, we're we're talking. It doesn't reach Lost Odyssey levels, but it man, it it, it gets you. Um, I, there is a certain quest involving these goats, right? And you can you can communicate with them and the 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 male goat has 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 passed uh, and the female goat essentially um just like knows that if you know if you 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 eat her partner it's it's going to sustain you and so it's like it's shit like that it's things and and you you're talking about like as you play through the game and you unlock these different things and bring these things back you see how the world ter- changes um, but but I love the fact that it doesn't always change for the better. Like every time you unlock something, the world's not happier for it. You know, um, it's one of those games where you're like, man, did I do something good or did I fuck up? And, and I love that kind of thing in a game. And this one does it really well. I can't believe back in the, the Super Nintendo era, a game was was doing that this well. I think it's the story is kind of like 
half of what it what this game is is worth talking about. Like one half of it is a completely good action RPG, and then you've got this story. And I think this is what most people kind of remember that that have played Terranigma that remember mm-hmm. this game for. You know, you've got the gameplay is fun. It looks amazing. It sounds amazing. But then you've got this story about, you know, the duality of chaos or destruction and life, you know, trying to live together. And it's it's obvious what the, the developers were trying to teach here. And if you go back and, and like watch some of their videos or or read about what they were trying to actually create here they were really into this idea. Like they were so into this as far as like trying to communicate it through the game of life through destruction. And, you know, uh, at at what cost are you doing all of this for, you know, there's, there's a point later on the game where you can actually start upgrading the towns and stuff. Yes. But then that Mm -hmm. comes with the thing of at what cost, you know, you're destroying nature by, by doing this, by making your life better. You're at the same time destroying something else. And it's, it's so insane that, you know, even like you mentioned before, like whenever you, there's certain parts in the game where you beat a tower or something and it shows the the earth coming back to life or the continent coming back to life that you're on. And those things, like they spent so much time doing those little scenes and, and getting them just right and, and putting uh, the, trying to do things that the Super Nintendo couldn't do, that those account for like a third of the size of the game, not in length, mm-hmm. but size. Mm-hmm. It's, it's insane. And, you know, they were always talking about like, Oh, you know, we just wish we could, we could do more, but we're limited by the constraints of the technology and things like that. Like they really got a story to tell and it's there. It's a good story, but it's kind of batshit insane at the same time. It is definitely one of those stories where the English translation does not help and you know, once you get done playing, you've kind of got to go and look up what what actually is was being said in a lot of scenes. You know, it, there's a lot of this that really reminds me of Xenogears for the PlayStation. It's another game that is a completely, totally fine JRPG that is saddled with a story that is so deep and dense and crazy that at some point you're just like, oh my God, <laughs> like I can't keep track of what's, what this game is trying to tell me. And, you know, from a, from Western sensibilities compared to storytelling and, you know, Eastern sensibilities, it's just sometimes like the message is there and it's a mm-hmm. really good message, but it is, it is so incomprehensible going through yeah. at times that it, it is, I, I love what they did. You know, I love me some crazy ass stories. I'll sit here and defend Metal Gear Solid, you know, four all day long. Hell yeah. But you know, there's it's it's just this kind of game. It's so weird that it's mm-hmm. just this kind of game with that kind of story. And it, it's constantly just hitting off of each other and you know, glancing off. It's just it's strange. It is a strange, strange video <laughs> game. And I do not remember having this issue with Illusion of Gaia. Well, I mean, you know, Metal Gear Solid has a lot more male and female ass in it. So <laughs> it's it, true. It's, e- it's easier to let things slide a little bit. You know, Snake bends down to do something, and you're like, all right, fuck it. I'm in. Like, I, I, I'm in. But no, this is such a, a strange game. And I, I I love the fact that I would tell anybody else that plays this, don't, don't do any more than listen to this. But do listen to this, you know. 
But uh, don't don't spoil anything story wise. Go into this blind. You will get so much out of this game if you don't know shit about it when you go in. Just know you're going to eat a goat and it's going to be sad as hell. <laughs> and the begin and the beginning reminds me a whole lot of Link to the Past. But besides those two things, I mean, just go in with an open mind and it's it's going to get damn blown. But I, I I'll tell you this though for. All the praise we give the story, I, I do think this is one of those games that wears out its welcome a little bit. It's a little long in the tooth. Um, it has a lot of gimmicks, and it, it plays great. I, I, there's a magic system in it, which I hardly ever used, and if I went back and played again, I wouldn't use it, I wouldn't use it then. Uh, but no, a lot of things in this game, it hits that point where you're like, if it would have ended right here, I would have enjoyed this a lot more. A lot of games do it, but this was this was one also. Um, you could have shaved a couple hours off this, and it would have been, a, I think, a much more enjoyable experience. I hated the fact that this game I was enjoying so much got to the point where it's kind of dragging, and the plot started to become a little confusing and con- real, more confusing and more convoluted. I was like, you could have tapped out a little bit ago, and we would have been all right. That's, that's a problem Illusion of Gaia didn't have. Like, I, I beat it in a weekend, and it was totally fine, and it told a good story. And, like, this one, it's it's got a grander scale in mind as far as the, what you're doing and, and the story it's t- trying to tell. And so you get into things that Illusion of Gaia really didn't have, like grinding mm-hmm. and, you know, just yes. long, drawn-out sections of story and exposition and and things like that that it didn't really hold Illusion of Gaia back. At, you know, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say Illusion of Gaia is a better game, but I you know there's definitely things about Terra Enigma that I think are just amazing. But mm-hmm. it you're you're right in how it it does. It, it's just a like my grandma would say, it's a little bit too big for its britches. Yeah. Yes. Well, I think it specifically for me happened. I I, I kind of feel the same. I think. I do want to stress that if I wasn't playing this for this podcast, like if I just had this game and was able to play it at my own pace and come back to it and play it over time, it probably would take me a long time to finish this, but I would have not mm. gotten the, the the feeling that I had playing it for this, where the first act where you're going through the towers, I thought was fine. Like I, I blew it off in an afternoon while I was on vacation. Yeah. I had a great time mm-hmm. with it. Then the second section opens up and it felt like it was like, okay, well, that's the same kind of thing. Yes, the story reason for me doing this is different, but I'm going to a series of different dungeons and unlocking things. And yes, it's getting a little more involved. Uh, the second area does, intri- uh, second act does introduce that magic system to you. It does introduce the magic system to you. I'd like to talk about the magic system after we finish going through this, this section, uh, talking about how it kind of gets a little slow. Once you get to the third act, the third act is where it becomes more of what a traditional RPG would have story-wise. So you're going to towns, you're talking to people, they're telling you what to do. Then you have to go and, you know, go off to the woods and find this mushroom for me or whatever the, the RPG style stories. For the first two acts, you felt like it was like, so we're in trouble if someone go to this dungeon for us. And then I would go to the dungeon and I had a great time. Instead, once you add in the RPG story parts and all the little side quests, uh, it became much longer. Uh, and that's also the first time where I had to grind. I, where the, there, There's a section where you mm-hmm. have to... Um, go and and fight, uh, go into this haunted castle, and it's a fairly long dungeon where you have to find these gems, uh, and then these four gems will kind of unlock the way to go continue on your path, and you get to a boss, and I was doing one point of damage to this boss every time I hit them. Now, more, normally when you're fighting enemies, you'll do 
double digits, maybe triple digits uh, of damage to them, like substantial damage, uh, everything else in this dungeon, the boss, one point of damage at a time. And I had to sit there and grind up like 10 levels to start doing anything useful. Now, it turns out that if I was using the magic more effectively, and it sounds like none of us were, uh, you can use the magic there, and that does make that fight much easier, and perhaps that's how it was designed to be. But the magic system in this game is not... Uh, mm -hmm. I don't think very easy to figure out. I think it's, it's a little no. bit confusing on even how to use your magic and what the premise of it is. So the right way to use your magic is that box that you use that's also your inventory screen, that's also what the demon was hiding in, is an, is an item in your inventory that you can make your active item. So when you hit the, y, uh, the X button, it will come up with a menu. And it's like, what magic do you want to do, basically? And it, it shows you the different things you've picked up. And, and we'll explain where you get your magic from in a second. Um... And then it will use that spell. It's one use only per spell. And when you do it that way, the game will fire off that spell in the direction you're at. Or if it's it's mm -hmm. uh, an area effect based on your character, it'll go from there. It, it becomes much easier to see what these magics do, but you have to use them to find out. Um, if you do it the wrong way, which is how I did magic for the first, probably first 10 hours that I had magic, I would go to that, that inventory screen, pick the magic I want to use, then... I would say, you know, when you select the magic, it's like, do you want to um, make it your active item or do you want to use it? And I was like, well, I just want to use it. And it would default your character to facing forward. So you'd always fire straight down instead of whatever you're trying to fire. At. It became, and I would waste the item and I would be out. And the only way to get more items is to find these rocks that are hidden throughout the game. Most of them are, you know, quote, hidden. Uh, they're just laying out everywhere. But they don't, they don't come back. And you have to use those along with money to buy spells from shops in town. Uh, and then, you know, they're one use each. So if you buy a bunch of magic spells and then waste them all and have no more rocks and have no more gold, then you don't have any more magic. It doesn't come back when you sleep. It doesn't come back when you save. It doesn't come back when you go back to town. It's You lose it if you don't use it all the time. So I was never using it. I ended up just stockpiling magic because I was afraid to use it. Uh, but if you if you are using it and you try it on against certain bosses, clearly there's some things that make bosses easier. Uh, and apparently lightning is the, is what you want to use on the, the boss that I was stuck on. But without that, I just sit there and grind up till I was doing enough damage to finally take that boss down. And, and I mean, that almost stopped me from enjoying this game because I was trying to play it for a podcast. So I was trying to cram in as much as I could in a week on vacation. And this is where, and I went to this vacation over a month ago, this is where I had stopped. And I finally am through that area, uh, you know, got through that area recently before we started recording this again, when I had time to sit there and grind a couple hours at a time, because it takes a long time to grind in this. Mm -hmm. um, enemies will come into a room when you kill the enemies, they don't respawn immediately. You have to walk off the screen, it loads, walk back on the screen. There's normally not a ton of enemies in these areas. You're talking three to four guys. You'll clean them out, then leave the screen and then come back. And sometimes there's actually like a door opening animation you have to watch. Like it's not fast. So again, if I was playing this, at a regular pace, or if I was playing this when I would have been in high school when this would have come out or whatever, then perhaps I would have had the patience and not minded grinding. I mean, I remember spending summers home during school where my friends and I would take turns just grinding Final Fantasy II while the rest of us watched someone sit there and grind Final Fantasy II. So yeah. perhaps it's just me now. I don't have the patience for the grinding this game needed for me to continue, but it, it definitely Act 3 is where it does slow down because it, it wasn't just the grinding for me. It was also that sometimes I couldn't figure out exactly where to go or what to do based on what everyone told me. The, the townspeople do give you what to do. I don't know if it's a, a bad translation issue, if like in, in the original Japanese, it's a little more clear, but there were definitely parts where I had to, you know, after wandering around for a while, I was like, I've just got to look and see where I'm supposed to go. And half the time I was like, how would I ever have figured out that's where I was supposed to go based on what the townspeople told me? It's not like it's 
a, a puzzle where I'm just like, oh, I didn't figure out this puzzle. I just didn't understand the clues they were giving me on like, go to this forest. I never would have thought about that. They mentioned nothing about a forest except one person said something like, people in the people, mm-hmm. uh, the children are afraid of the woods at night. That's the only thing that tells you to go to the woods for that section or something. It was not as clear as other RPGs could be. So like, you know, even, even like the fighting itself, like it gives you all of these different options. Uh, but to me, like the, the best attack was just the jump kick thing. Yes. You know, and that it there was there was rarely any other reason to, to choose any other attack. There are some here enemies here and there that, you know, it, it definitely seems like you're supposed to use like the the stabbing attack or whatever, you know, when you jam on the button. But, you know, for for me, it was just it, jump kick the game. And yes. the fact that it, it does not go out of its way to really explain the magic system, and it's kind of honestly hidden inside of an inventory screen, invent, in, inventory screen that has multiple rooms inside of an inven, inventory screen, uh, it's just, it, I, I wish it would have just conveyed some of that stuff a little bit better at times, because I'm like you guys, I did not really even attempt to use the magic much at all, mm-hmm. because it didn't seem like it was very useful when I had a jump kick that was doing way more damage to things than most of the time when I did use the magic after I figured it out. Mm-hmm. Well, the magic seems no, like I, it was I, used for, I'm sorry, the magic does seem like it was meant to be used for bosses and harder fights. It wasn't meant to be used mm-hmm. to clean out a room of enemies. I mean, you could, but that would that was just too much, you know, bringing a, a rocket launcher to a knife fight, right? You don't, you don't need it. But when you needed it for bosses, it was nice to have. I just didn't use it effectively for any of those times. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those things. I didn't either. So I just, yeah, this, this was jump kick. The, it jump kicked the game for me also. I, I think <laughs> Jeremy said it right. Um, I, you, you definitely find your attack in this game. You just work it. You just work the damn thing. There was no need to really learn a lot more in this game, um, which, you know, is it's there for you though. If you want to, it's, it, it's a deep game and the magic system on here, I have barely scratched the surface on. Um, so yeah, it's, it's there for you if you want it. And I, I think maybe if nothing else, if you ever did come back to it, it would be a great way, a great second play style to go through, use more of it. Uh, but it's just, it's unnecessary. I don't know. There I, there were no bosses I faced so far where, you know, I couldn't couldn't get them with a, a normal technique. Well, yeah, it's you, basically just like using the shield and, and yeah. you know, attacking or something. And that was pretty much it. There wasn't, there's not too much strategy. And I think you're right. Like, if you really want to learn the all the stuff that's here, like, the game's probably very simple. Probably way easier than what we were trying to do. <laughs> but, you know, in, in the limited amount of time that we had with it, it, it's, it kind of presents, here. here's this. This works really mm-hmm. well. Keep doing that over and over. It's the fucking uh, problem with Bioshock, where uh, you get freeze and a wrench at the very beginning of the game. Yeah. And you can beat the game with freeze and a wrench. <laughs> That's how yeah. I play through Bioshock. And, and, it's, and it's honestly easier to go through the game with a wrench. Yeah, uh, but it there's a lot more there. Like it is much deeper than what the surface level may may make you think it is. Well, even even we mentioned it earlier that that once you start getting to the the act 3 where you're dealing with actual human towns and going through and solving their problems uh, by going through dungeons ultimately, but but solving their problems, then you have this chance to kind of help all these towns grow. You make you help make decisions for the town. Uh, as simple as in one town, you're helping vote who's going to be the new leader of the town when the king uh, somehow you know 
mysteriously vanishes. You, you get to to pick the new leader of the town, and, and you actually listen to what both people have to say on why they want to lead the town. And depending on who you pick, that town could do better uh, or worse, depending you know on, on how it goes. And, and each town you go to, each, each place you go to, you are making decisions based on, on who you talk with or things you tell them to do that will change the the future of this world that you will then go back to and visit these towns throughout the game and, and see what happened to them like it it's very ambitious um i don't think it's it, it delivers on that ambition as much as as later games would do that same concept but for you know 1985 1986 this is pretty impressive and again if i had more time and, and was able to really take my time slowly going through this game i think i would have enjoyed that a lot more instead i felt like i was forced to go back just to see what's going on with these places mm. um but Again, I don't want to ruin what I think this game does well, which is things like that, where even though it was a little weird, it was I hadn't played any other game that does anything quite like that, where you're helping yeah, these towns. Yeah. You you change the future kind of just by your actions, but not it's mm-hmm. not a set path and it's not, you know, an easy, good, evil decision. It's it's real lifestyle, like, well, what seems to make the most sense? And ultimately one of those items choices will will be a better choice long term, but you you might not know. You might not have any idea what's going to be the right choice, and you'll only find out by playing through and seeing what happens. Um, mm-hmm. Additionally, there is more of that standard RPG good versus evil storyline going in the background the whole time that doesn't just kind of tie to how how the forces of good and evil might be using you during this this your, your trip through time and through, uh, through the world, but also uh, you'll p- see people um, most specifically, L, who's your girlfriend at the start of the game, or a girl that's supposed to kind of be your love interest, uh, will show up again, but she doesn't remember you. You're not quite sure if it's L. It looks just like L, and she shows up and mm-hmm. seems to also be involved in this story. There, there's other people that seem to have uh, other kind of pseudo magical abilities, like your character does. Most people mm-hmm. in this game do not. And how do they all fit in? Are they also tied to this good receival story? There's a lot to this that ultimately, you know, it makes this a very large. Uh, overarching story with a lot of, of possibilities for, for how it could change um, the, the side pieces, like how these towns and stuff go. But overall, obviously the game ends the same way, no matter what you do every time, but yeah. it's, it's really neat. And I don't want to spoil it for everybody. So I would recommend if you, if you're interested in games like, uh, you know, Secret of Mana or Illusion of Gaia or or any of these action RPG games, even a Zelda, which it had a little bit more RPG to it. This is this is a really interesting game. What what I think I would love to see, you know, now that we're, that Nintendo's putting out all these games on the the Switch, you know, and they've in the, in the past for the Wii U, you'd get some Japanese only released games that they're out here again. That's how we got the original um, Earthbound or I guess original Mother game. Um, Earthbound Origins, and there were some other games that came out that were also only available in Japan. They put out there. We've gotten some of those even on the Switch. I would love to see this make it out to the Switch Super Nintendo Library. It's a game that I don't know how much you'd have to pay. I'm sure that it, in general, Enix would probably love to see it get a wider release on a, on a console where people are starved for for classic RPGs. If you're only using that Super Nintendo service because it doesn't have the Final Fantasies or any of these other larger scale games, it would be great to see this kind of show up. Yeah, uh, it's 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 definitely um, a a genre that the, yeah that that library is 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 missing, and like we said, in a lot of ways, from the inventory system to just how great the damn music is on this thing, um, it has a lot to offer still today. Um, I, I you know I, I said it ran long, and I, I stand by that. It damn well did, um, and just but it does so much good and. It's it's so innovative and and like I said the fucking music slamming the entire game um, I, it's it's 
probably it'll, it'll, it'll move into your top five Super Nintendo soundtracks easily. Um, but no, it's it's definitely one I'd love to see put out there. Um, I had not finished it. I'm so damn close. I had not finished it before we started recording. Um, and it's it, it gets that high praise where it's one, even though we're not recording, I'm going to go through and keep playing. Uh, it's it it's definitely it's something, and for it to not be my cup of tea exactly, uh, but I'm I'm kind of taking it back with it. That's it's, it's 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 a good sign. Like it, the problems I have with it are, <sighs> I can overlook them because it plays well, it it sounds great, it it has so much going for it that the problems I think you might be able to overlook. It, it's yeah i think <clears throat> i think jeremy's right like i if this ended up on on the switch library or whatever i think it would be perfect for that because mm-hmm. it would just be something that people could pick up and experience and and you know it it, it starts off so damn strong and you know it, it does it stays like that for quite a while until it eventually does slow down but it's a hell of a game to just sit down and pick up and be like god what is this and it, I, it could definitely be a hidden gem for many a people. Like, the story doesn't hit, to, for me, like it does a lot of people. You know, you, you, there's so many people that's out there on the internet that talks about this game. They're like, by the time the credits roll, you know, I was just a crying mess. And I couldn't get up for three days, you know, and stuff like that. Like, it's, it's a cool story, but it, it, it didn't really hit me quite like that. Um, but I do appreciate the tone of it because this is completely different than what you would generally find on a Super NES game. Like this is, we've mentioned, it's very dark. It's very depressing at times. It can be very lighthearted as well. Uh, again, there's is kind of these two different sides hitting against each other. You know, your typical kind of lighthearted JRPG, uh, whatever. You know, and then you got this totally depressing kind of thing that's happening as well uh, that that pops up occasionally. And it's just like, oh God, this. But it's it's a really interesting game, and even just from a story standpoint, I think it's worth sticking through it till the end, um, just just to kind of see what's there. Um, it, it definitely doesn't hurt that it it looks and sounds. It, it's one of the best looking and one of the best sounding action RPGs on the Super NES for the 16-bit generation at all. Like Quintet did an, an amazing job with this one, and you can kind of see it started with Act Razor. You know, some ideas there as far as even like the city building and changing the world and and that kind of dense story that it had with religion and all that stuff and working through Soul Blazer and Illusion of Guy and and now you've got this and this is just everything that they've been trying to do put into one game that they worked their asses off to make and then it no one played it. <laughs> it really sucks for them and I think this this game definitely deserves more attention.
So that's our thoughts on Terra Enigma, another patron request. So thank you very much, 16-Bit Big Boss. This was one we enjoyed. I'd love to see it come out on uh, on the English, on, on the Switch library. And if you want us to cover your game, the best way to do that is to join our Patreon. And where do you find our Patreon? Well, just like everything else, Retrovania, you go to Retrovania.net. There's a link to our Patreon, but also our YouTube channel where you can see Jeremy go to conventions and go to look for game shops, also some video reviews. We've got our social media that no one updates but me once a week. But more importantly, at the very bottom, there's a question form where you can put down whatever question you want, and we will answer it like we're going to do right now. That's right. <clears throat> well, let me clear my throat here. Okay, here we go. That's right, and today we're starting off with Quest Daddy, and he's writing in about creative therapy, question mark. Hey guys, I absolutely love the podcast, especially the intro song. Being a similar age to you guys, the pop-punk SoCal sound is right up my street. Sorry if this has been asked before, but what made you guys start the podcast? I fairly recently started my YouTube channel, Dad Quest Gaming. You don't need to plug that, but I did, because I like you. Mm. Uh, as a creative way to help with my mental health issues. Have any of you guys used gaming to help you get through some rough times? P.S. Please cover Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem for the GameCube. Ooh. It's amazing. <laughs> well, you know, that's got to be a Halloween type thing right there. So there's only one month we could possibly do that. But um, I, I don't know. You you two guys, I think, had been talking about it. And then you messaged me, um, which I, I'm eternally grateful for. Uh, and I asked if I wanted to be a part of it. I don't know the back and forth that originally went on between the two of you. Um, but video games for your fucking mental health? I, daily. Daily. Um, I, what, how long has this been going on? Seven years now? Yeah, Six? it's been a while. Seven? Yeah. I mean, I've had at least fucking four significant mental breakdowns at that point in time. I, what do you think I was doing during that time? I, I, games are just a thing. It's like it's relaxing, and I, I always said it's something like when I feel like I don't have any control over the real world, you can slip into a world that you have some little bit of control over, you know? You, you kind of can create your own destiny and influence how things work. You, you, you fucking... You jump on fucking Stardew. Hate to bring it up again for that one guy, but fuck <laughs> you. Um... You jump on Stardew, and it's like, all right, I'm not in hustling and bustling. I'm getting up at 4 a.m. tomorrow for another suck-ass fucking day. Nah, I'm in Stardew goddamn valley. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to fucking harvest some corn. I might go in the mines. I might fish a little bit. But you know what? You do it on your time. You do what you want. And there's just something relaxing about it. And I, I think that's the best thing video games can do is like, because the real world sucks. It does. Um, I, I, I don't think anybody can disagree. Um, some aspects are great. On the whole, it's awful. But be able to let you get into another world for a little bit that you can accomplish things in and feel good about and just just have control over. I, I think it's great. I think it's one of the best things video games do. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I, I've definitely used uh, constantly. I, I play video games just for a break from everything else. I I, I even yeah. do it at work, although at work it's uh, I'm not playing like long games. But I'll you know I have what words with friends or whatever silly ass thing I'm playing. That's just if I need if yeah. I'm having a bad day, if I had a bad meeting or whatever else, I take a few minutes, 
play a couple rounds of that with, you know, tur- do a couple turns, feel like I've gotten something accomplished, and then go back to whatever terrible thing I, I actually get paid to do. So I, I do that all the time. Um, at, at one of the more recent, I guess, larger scale, uh, everyone clearly was locked in their houses for a year, uh, a couple years ago. And for me, mm-hmm. like, that's the perfect timing of when something like Animal Crossing came out, right? Like, so I, I sat in my house and I played Animal Crossing with my kids and we built up a town, we did all this other stuff because we were stuck in our house and it was perfect and it was a nice way to kind of be like, yeah, let's ignore everything going on outside for a little bit because that's horrible. This is nice and simple and I just have to pay back a raccoon the money he gave me to buy a house. So I, I, yeah. I you know, I, I 100% uh, agree with what you said. It, just, it helps me to, uh, to find something I can totally understand and control, unlike the rest of my life. Uh, as far as why we do the podcast, uh, we had all worked together on some other stuff in the past. We talked about it before. Yeah. Uh, and I yeah. was, I had been doing podcasts for a while with some friends. And, you know, Jeremy was looking for a, a way to kind of get back into a more organized gaming-specific discussion or, or mm-hmm. project. And so it just kind of clicked. And we knew Billy was very similar to us in... In likes, but also he doesn't sound like Jeremy or Jeremy, and he doesn't. That's have right. We, Jeremy, got, we so got to break nice. it up. Yeah. So we, we got to break it up. Yeah, that's uh, that's the that's the whole reason we brought Billy on because we yeah. can't just like who who sounds the most different. They can't be a Jeremy, <laughs> and they have to sound a lot different. I, I mean, I'll take it. Fuck it. If that's how I got in, I, you know, that's fine. <laughs> it is. It is. It's like that one guy that uh wrote in that was like I. I couldn't figure out which one was which of the Jeremy's was was Jeremy until like 165 episodes in because <laughs> it's you know I, it, I have I have to believe that was another guy from the south because yeah once you hit about Virginia once you go above it you all of you sound the same it's all the same it's got to be a southerner <laughs> that sent that in I'll take that as a compliment but yeah I mean yeah, for video yeah. games it's I, honestly yes uh, I, I I would challenge anybody to find a more depressing bunch than uh, people that play video games. And I think a good reason why a lot of people play video games is, is just for that escapism. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's certainly something that, that I've had to do the last, you know, three or four years. I've had a, yes. had a rough go at it with things. Yeah. And uh, it, that four or five months where I was just sitting around playing uh, final fantasy 14 for like eight hours a day Hell yeah. um, was, was kind of the, the one thing that, that really got me through that time. And, you know, even with like the whole, all the hospital jump from last year, I'm just now yeah. getting to where I can get out and, you know, be n- normal again and, and actually yeah. have a life. So it's, it, it is something that has always been there for me when, when times get hard. And some people would say, well, you need to face your problems. And I was like, well, you know, I'm not able to right now. So I'm going to play yeah. a fucking video game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, then you tell them to go and tell them to take a flying fuck through a rolling donut. Yeah, that's to right. Quote, that's... To quote something you said years ago about a completely different incident, ain't no shame in it. That's right. That is right. Ain't no shame in it. It's your and hobby. We won't, ta- we won't talk. We won't talk about the incident. No, we're not going to talk about that. We've already, we've got Steam and Grandpa. We don't need mm-hmm. that one to come in as mm-hmm. well. So, but yeah, thanks uh, for writing in Quest Daddy. Uh, again, his uh, his YouTube channel is I wouldn't get that. Is Dad Quest Gaming? Oh, yeah. I, I am. Uh, it's a good channel. He's a good guy. He's on our Discord, um, and he, he makes some good videos. So go check that if you, that out if you want to. Thanks for writing in. Next question comes from Willie B. Hardigan. Wait, <laughs> wait. I caught that one. I caught Man, it. I can't. I can't tell you how many times I've sat on the edge of a bed and said that. <laughs> Damn. Damn. That's relatable as hell. 
Like you pound your damn knee and you're like, God damn it. (laughs) Man, sometimes round two don't happen. Round one knockout. Oh my God. (laughs) What do you expect from our fucking mailbag? I I know. It brings out the worst in us. I know. But (laughs) this person's writing in about dream games. Hey, fellas, I've been listening to the podcast since the pandemic and have loved every episode from sperm-filled grandparents to hidden mansion spirits or whatever Billy called that. Hell yeah! I just wanted to drop a note to say thank you for all the good times. And as a question, what would be your favorite game that was never made? For example, I would love a Contra-style John Wick game or how about a 16-bit Breaking Bad RPG? What the fuck do you do in that? Make math. Yeah, yeah, you make uh, just like mini games, like make meth mini games. Yeah, things like that. Watch yeah, I can see time. that. I, you, yeah, or, or just letter, you know. Yeah. Goddamn Walt, poison little kids, <laughs> things like that. Damn him. <laughs> um, but we all like him, and it proves that we're all sick in the damn head that we do. Um, no, I, I, the game I wish I had, and it, it's one that there was even a damn ad for. Uh, was a Hellraiser, a proper Hellraiser video game. And this might be because I just got off several videos talking about the, the Vaporware titles for it. How close it was, it, you know, it was rumored for the NES. Never happened. There was a PC game in the making. Never happened. It's one of my favorite horror film franchises. And video games were teased so many damn times. Um, and they ended up not occurring. There was something I would love to see. Like, I, I think that's a property that lends itself to a video game extremely well. Um, I, you could go an Outlast route with it in terms of that kind of horror. That, I, there, there's so many, so many ways to do it. Um, and, you know, it's a movie license, which usually is a death sentence for a video game. But I don't know. I, I just think that one could could make a good game. Or even if it came out and it sucked ass, I would be happy that it, like that Duke Nukem that we all waited on for a long ass time. It came out, it sucked ass, but we're glad it happened before we died. You know, it's hard, because now games are are so involved that it's hard to think of like a game that I want something that doesn't exist. Like, almost everything's really close to what you, what I'd say is like, oh, that's something I always wanted. Well, it exists now, especially with indie games being what they are. Even if it's a simple game, it People have made it. I guess there's still not a game that feels like a traditional tabletop role-playing game, like a D&D. It actually feels like playing with my friends. I mean, you can play online versions of those games, but you still need somebody to run it, and it's still not quite the same. I, You know, I was thinking, like, I was going to say Shadowrun. I think the Shadowrun games are really fun, and they're really neat games built in the Shadowrun universe. But Shadowrun's a property that... When you're playing it, it feels like, man, if this would have been on a computer and really involved, this would have been great. And no one's really nailed that for me. I mean, the Shadowrun games are good, but they're not exactly what I had in my mind. So I'd have Mm -hmm. to go with like a better single player online Shadowrun experience. I know there's close things. I mean, Cyberpunk does things like that, but I I need it to be in the the, the Shadowrun world with, with that background. I'm mad we never got that Steven Seagal game. Oh, yeah. I mean, we we could now like get a character model of him now, 
Good. I he'd probably he'd probably take up as much screen as fucking Juggernaut, Marvel versus Capcom. <laughs> but you could do it. You could do yeah, it. Um, screen in his face. No, but um, that was that ended up being playable, didn't it? Yeah, I think like, that it's, got, it's in a playable form. Yeah, I, I've still got the magazine where it was previewed. And, I, I'm gonna and, I'm gonna put playable in quotation marks. Yeah, I, I, it's, it ain't good, but it, it's there. But I, no. you know, I don't. Know, I, like Jeremy mentioned, there's so many dream games that indie games have kind of come along and fulfilled. In, yeah. In like the last year. I mean, we were just talking about like WrestleQuest just got released, which yeah. is a literally wrestling my, fucking RPG. Yeah, literally my dream for the last 20 years is mm-hmm. like just a cartoony Saturday morning uh, wrestling RPG. And what comes out? A Saturday Man. morning <laughs> wrestling you, RPG. You, you know what opened me up to it was fucking Golf Story. Yeah, yeah, that, which was that which was one of your recommends to me, which a golf RPG based. Uh, that again, like, something that you would never think you would ever want, no. but then you play it and it's just like, oh my god, where this is exactly what I wanted. Yeah, how did I live without it? And yeah. that opened up to me. It's like I'll take anything in RPG format, anything, give me any sport RPG format. Let's fucking go. Yeah, but you know I'm just, a big wrestling fan, so WrestleQuest, of course. But yeah, I think. Goddamn golf RPG just kicked the doors open for me. I'm accepting of any sport. And I don't like sports games, but you put it in RPG format, I'll play it. Give me a, a Tecmo Bowl style RPG. Hell yeah. That's that's next. Whoever made All those games, in. make make that next for me, please. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's uh, thanks for writing in, Willie. And this uh, this this next question, I'm just, I'm going to read because this is Billy's fault um, because he made me actually go and look this up. I read this question earlier. Okay, I was like, man, this is so bad. I'm not going to read it. But with Billy sitting there talking about his dick not getting up, we're going to go oh, to Donkey Dick Dave again. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I mean that's that's a constant topic with me. So <laughs> he's he's writing about about uh, he's writing in. To say he's coming to get you. Sounds like you guys. How did, hey, how did he spell Kevin? <laughs> he spelled it regularly. I'm, I'm gonna because right, it, it's gonna it's gonna change how defensive I am with the answer. No, I'm sorry. I'm, I may have read that a little. Okay. It, it, he said he actually coming with the, okay. with the G at the you know he ain't sitting here saying if someone's anything. coming to get me I feel much less threatened. Okay, he's keep not, going. Okay. Sounds like you guys missed me, so I'm back for more. Did you ever have an erection show up unexpectedly and not know what to do with it? Some call it a curse. Others say it's a blessing. What are your tips and techniques of dealing with that pesky boner? I usually flip it upward and hide it in the waistband, then wait for it to shrivel away. Just got to be careful not to let your shirt come come above the danger zone or the jigs up. I mean, I don't know. I either thought about my grandparents and how much I loved them. And how disappointed they'd be with, be with me. Or I thought about my impending death. And both of those worked. I mean, I haven't had that problem, I, I'd say, anytime recently. Not that it doesn't work. Just I haven't had a, an uncontrollable, like, uh-oh, can't get rid of this. Um, but, you know. I like that, that he had to clarify. I had to clarify. I wanted to make sure. I, I For all the ladies out there that were excited. Uh, <laughs> but I am taken and not, not on the market. I just want to make sure. Uh, but also the, you know, 
I was a preteen at a public pool, so of course I've had experience like a horror movie. Uncontrollable boners. It's just that's what it is. You're 12 at a public pool. You've constantly got a boner, and you've got to yeah. do that kind of hunch over run to the restroom so that no. I mean, no it, I mean it. the the fucking wind can blow the wrong way. <laughs> I mean, there's a certain age where it's like it's a fucking hair trigger, but you learn. Like you sit cross leg. Yeah, you walk, and you conveniently kind of walk kind of to the side. More than straight on, um, man. If you if you got a coat or a book bag or something, put the shit up front. You're good to go. Like you, you learn and you adapt quick. It's like it's part of like human evolution. You know how to handle that shit. I, uh, you know, I, I. That's not anything that I really have to deal with these days. You know, again, if that happens, I'm kind of going with Donkey Dick Dave's thing of just you know shoving it in in like the belt line and and hoping for the best. But back then, like Billy's right, like a gust of wind could come by, you know, if, if you were just going through puberty, like it, it kind of just had a mind of its own. And it was always in the worst things, in the worst situations. The absolute most embarrassing for me was in church, because, of course, mm. that is the, the last place you would ever want a boner. Yeah. But guess what's going to happen? <laughs> You're going to get a boner exactly yeah. at the time that you stand up to sing or something like that yeah. because if you've been to church you know you're constantly sitting down standing up i mean yeah and that that's i mean that's probably much to the pleasure of some priests but i you know child, i was no, i was gonna say you. i didn't want to stand up at one point but of course of course my grandma's like get up get up you know and it's mm -hmm. like so i stood up there with full attention and yeah. um I'm, I'm sure the person leading the song or standing up there <laughs> was just like my god what the hell but yeah. um yeah, it, it is a thing, and it's... He, just, he's really moved. <laughs> he was. Uh, God, it's, uh, yeah, good times. But uh, I, I'd say thanks for writing in, Donkey Dick Dave, but we kind of fucking hate you at this point. Yeah, I think we all feel, like, a little sick after a Donkey Dick Dave email. We do. Yeah. It's hey, like, look. we just have to recollect afterwards. Speak, Give it, do speak. we have a palate fresh, refresher after this? Let's see here. Yes, we do. All right, our next question comes in from B. Danielson. I'm sorry that that might not be your name, but that's what's on your email address. I, I forgot to write your name down. Uh, but mm. they're writing in about Star Wars movie changes. My wife okay. and I just had our first child a few days ago. Congratulations. Congratulations. Now I'm trying to figure out which version of the, Star, the original Star Wars movies to eventually show my son, but I have a decision to make because George Lucas can't keep his hands out of the cookie jar. What do you guys think of the of the changes made to the original trilogy? The most controversial changes seem to be Greedo shooting first instead of Han Solo, Hayden Christensen's Force Ghost in The Return of the Jedi, and the stupid musical number in Jabba's Palace. Many of the changes involve excessive use of bad 90s era CG, mm -hmm. and others restore unused footage that was deleted for one reason or another. Unsurprisingly, I'm not a huge fan of the changes. I don't mind some of the graphical updates and seeing the movies in a higher resolution and that kind of stuff, but I wish George Lucas would have just left his movies alone. I, I, I've talked about this often. My, my favorite version are those, the unaltered, but kind of slightly, they're on VHS, so they're not remastered that much, but the slightly remastered VHS version, which didn't have any of the updates. They just made it look a little bit nicer. Um, but no, I, I, I've seen these other versions. The, the Java's musical number, I 
enjoy for the fact of just how disjointing it is. But I think you only get that satisfaction if you saw the original and you realize how weird this is being put in. Um, I, the other things like the Hayden Christensen, Christensen ghost, force ghost, instead of the, the fucking old guy. I don't know who that guy even is. The old guy that played Vader when they took the mask off and disappointed me all to hell as a kid. That's <laughs> damn old. That's fucking damn my fucking grandpa with the crying goddamn grandpa was Darth Vader all along. Um, but no, I, I, I think I can understand they were going with that is when, you know, Anakin officially died, you know, like at that, that, that's when he died, became Darth Vader. Um, I can, I can, I can go with it. I'm a gigantic star Wars fan, but I'm not one of those purists, you know, <laughs> Um, I, I, and I will say, I'll throw my hands up every now and then and say, if this is the director's, if this is his fucking vision, the guy that created this, I'm going to give it some leeway. I'm not always going to agree with it. I reserve the right to call it dumb, but I'm going to be like, all right, like he did this for more than just putting it out again. Like maybe he didn't have the means at the time, or he obviously didn't know who was going to play Darth Vader in the fucking prequels at the time. You know, um, so I mean, I just I just kind of go along with it. And Star Wars is Star Wars. And as I said, I've said this on the podcast before, that the hardest part of being a Star Wars fan is realizing that you love a series where the you only have two and a half good films out of nine. And, you know, the and, and the fucking shows are better than the damn movies. Um, so there, there's a lot to unpack as a Star Wars fan, and I think hardcore Star Wars fans in general, and I am one, um, since the fucking 80s, need to kind of lower your standards a little bit. Not lower your standards, but like be more accepting, you know, of how things are and, and whatnot, because the films you loved, a lot of them aren't that good. Like, you got what? The original... You've got Return of you've got um Empire. Empire Strikes Empire Strikes Back. And then you have half, as in the last half of Revenge of the Sith. Though you got two and a half good films out of nine. You know, you're not you're not hitting on a lot. But just I mean, man, I'd be happy this franchise isn't forgotten at this point. Like that that's the thing I keep going back to. It's like I can't believe Star Wars hasn't gotten swept under the the Marvel, you know, superhero, whatnot rug. You know, it's it's still out there. And they're putting out great series. And the series are kind of wreck, softly retconning a lot of things from the movies that probably needed it. Um, I can talk about Star Wars at length. This is not a Star Wars podcast. I love Star Wars. Star Wars fucking sucks. I still love it. Um... Just fucking go with it. May the force be with you. That was a lot. I, I, I generally agree with what you said, though. I would say it if, if you're going to find a version of the movies to do that VHS, that my VHS copies that aren't even the ones that they put out in what, like the the early 90s where they redid everything. Yes. Like it's not yes, those, it's the, but it's the, not the director. The two cuts. tapes piece. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, the, the stuff that you're fine now on, on Disney Plus to stream them. It, it has all the extra stuff. I think the 
the you mentioned Greedo shot first and and uh, the the extra song and Jabba's palace. Also, the the scene that was deleted where Han runs into Jabba looks bizarre. Mm-hmm. Uh, when in in the first movie they added in, there's just lots of it's unneeded. I don't hate them. I saw them in theaters when they re put them out, and I was like, some of the stuff was neat. A lot of the background stuff they put in so that it looks busier yeah. on planets. That was that's great. Fine, throw it in. Not needed, but it didn't bother me. But yeah, a lot of the extra stuff they put in didn't need to be there. Uh, so if you have those VHS copies, that's the ones I would do. But I would say you've actually got a bigger thing to to worry about. I have two children. Uh, who are well past the age where you would introduce them to Star Wars. They have never watched yeah. an entire Star Wars movie because they get bored. They they did not get through the first 15 minutes of the first, the original, like A New Hope Star Wars. They they liked the prequel that they watched the first prequel, but even that they got bored with because it's faster and it starts with Jedis and you're like, oh man, that's cool. But as soon as it slowed down, they're like, nah. Uh, YouTube is ruined children. They do not have patience for movies. Uh, so they will never watch a Star Wars movie and never like it. Um, yeah. Yes. That, because it. the first, the first 30 minutes of any Star Wars films are a fucking political talk. And, and th- this is that like, yeah, that was, um, doomed on my son. I tried to put him onto that when he was a lot younger. Wouldn't go for it. Like, yeah, a fucking original Star Wars? No. Yep, not at all. Not at all. Um, I caught him in maybe his mid-team, and then I got him. So that that's that's the age to try. Kids are not going to love that shit, and and I don't blame them. Yeah, I don't. I I don't think you you need to be mad at your kid about this stuff. I, I think this kind of goes back to the question we had in, in the previous episode, where you know some guy was talking about wanting his kid to to start up like a. Uh, collection of retro consoles and starting them, you know, the, the stuff I hear definitely of, of new parents that are like, Oh, my kid's going to start with the NES. And just like I did, Mm -hmm. it's like, don't do that to your kids. You know, if they they don't like star Wars, you got to realize this is a different time. But yeah, that's a, yes, that's the thing. It's like, this was special for you at the time with what you had. Yeah. It's, it's just, it ain't the same these days. Let them like what they're they're gonna like. Let let them have yeah. their own memories while you sit there and and yeah. watch your copies of Star Wars or whatever. You yeah. know, it's maybe in the future down the road you can bond over it in, in some way instead of forcing it on them. Yeah. I think that's the better way to go. But as for me, the um, the scene that it, that always stood out the most was the that musical scene in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> like it it is so out of place, and I remember like I my parents took me to go see the re-releases in the theater as they were coming out. And like, you know, star Wars, uh, the first one in, in empire wasn't, wasn't bad. You know, the stuff that was added into them besides that weird Jabba scene, um, it was, it was mostly fine, but then you get to return the Jedi and they added in that musical scene and it was straight out of just something like a kid's movie, just a completely different tone from what the rest of the movie is like, you know, obviously the Ewoks are in there, but even the mm-hmm. Ewoks weren't as as cringy as as this mu- yeah. musical scene was. It, you was you just... know what you could have done better if you made the musical scene, but you just made it like really fucking weird, fucking trippy as hell. Not kitty, but it's just like one of those fucking eighties videos you watch where you like kind of feel sick <laughs> does while you're watching it. <laughs> you know what i'm talking you know what i'm talking about though it's like where the colors aren't quite right <laughs> and you just fucking like the effects aren't quite right and you just feel fucking sick like if you could add to the lunacy of java's palace all right 
like if you watch that that music number and you're like, these fuckers are insane. This shit is bad. Yeah, but they they did they like Jeremy's saying they went a kitty route with it. But man, as, hey, as long as we leave this where you guys understand what I'm saying, how 80s videos made you feel fucking sick in your fucking stomach, I'm good. Oh, I totally get that. Uh, there, there's good. still stuff from the 80s good. that I'll occasionally catch. There are, the, yeah, there are Klaus like, oh. Nomi video. There are Klaus Nomi videos that make me. I I could maybe trigger myself throwing up watching them, and I love him. I still can't watch um, that one Phil Collins video. Phil, oh, oh uh, uh, the the one with the puppets. Yes, something. Whatever. I know. I know the song. I know the man. I wish I. I wish I could name it all for that. That would be impressive, and I would say leave it in. For the record, Klaus Nomi "Lightning Striking" or "Lightning Strikes" is a video that triggers some reflex in me that would make me vomit if I watched it for too long, even though I like the song. All right, so we have talked way too long about Star Wars. So I'm going to do one more question here, just to get it through. Land of Confusion. I, the song is Land of Land of Confusion. Confusion. Yes, God, that video. It made it terrified me as a child, and I still can. It just makes me kind of sick every time I see it. There's just oh something God, about yeah, it. yeah, hell yeah, man. Oh. We've taken a big aside in this thing, haven't we? But yes, yeah, I um. <laughs> I have to apologize yeah, for doing I, so long because I kept thinking of the song and I kept thinking it was something of destruction. So I was like, Symphony of Destruction. No, I was like, oh, that's, that's Megadeth. That's, What's wrong with me? No, I can hear it and I can see it and I understand. Oh, there's just that one scene of <clears throat> of Ronald Reagan and, and Nancy Reagan like waking up in, in like water. They're coming out. They're all wet. And it's just the most <laughs> disgusting thing. Oh, it just gave me nightmares as a child. I couldn't. I saw it on... VH1 once when we were, I was a kid and my dad and my stepmom were watching it. I just came in the room and I saw that. I was like, oh, and it, it oh, I can't, ugh, just hate that. Whatever that, that design for those puppets are just the worst thing ever. Uh, but yeah, thanks for writing in, Brian Danielson. Uh, I don't know if we answered your question. Brian but, Danielson, the fucking American dragon? Maybe. <laughs> It's possible. I found his Goddamn name. While we were fucking Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan. Listen to the podcast. AEW Superstore. Was that his name? Brian Daniel. We're just going to go with Brian Danielson. Thanks for writing in. Right, that's that's it. That fucking American Dragon. Fucking let's go. This uh, this last email is, is another one that I didn't put their name down, but I'm going to go with uh, Echo because that's what's in your email address. And I'll while we're answering this, I'll find your damn name. Um, but they're writing in, uh, what is your favorite arcade game you would put all of your quarters in? Hello, new listener, and about halfway through the podcast. Arcade games are not like they used to be. I definitely miss the excitement of going to a new arcade and seeing what they had. My top three are Gauntlet Dark Legacy, Sunset Riders, and Punisher. What are your top three? Also, is there any other food leftovers better than cold pizza? Um, uh, yes. I, well, I think there is. I think cold chicken wings fucking hit some kind of spot. Um, I mean, but you usually get those with cold pizza, right? They're, they're usually fucking together. Like, that's a, a duo. But man, if you want my arcade top three, as far as things I would just 
endlessly pump quarters into. Um, I, we're going WWF WrestleFest, which was an incredible game. Um, absolutely loved it. I, it was like, it was the wrestling action figures come to life. Everybody was a little more muscular than they really were. Like, they are very complimentary. And the gameplay was great. And I, there wasn't a lot of buttons. There was not a lot of moves. But at that time for a wrestling game, you felt like you were being treated. Um, WrestleQuest, an incredible game. Or WrestleFest. Not Wrestle WrestleQuest might be, but I haven't played it yet. I'll let you know. WrestleFest uh, for the WWF. Awesome arcade game. Pumped a lot of quarters into it. Of course, I'd be remiss if I did not mention NBA Jam, which I probably pumped the all-time most quarters into. Loved NBA Jam. Uh, looking back, they fucking ripped me off by making you pay to play every quarter. Um, but it's like, all right, I was all in back then. And Jam was great to play. Like, you would start there playing by yourself, and then somebody would join in. You whipped their fucking ass. They they didn't want a second quarter with you. So then you kept going. Um, it was a great arcade game. Like that back and forth of people just joining, dropping out, joining, dropping out. Um, and it, it just kept the flow. It kept the flow going better than I think fighting games did with that. Um, and I mean, my third that I fucking pumped those quarters into. We're, we're fucker. We're talking about that fucking turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, that original arcade game. I don't think my friends and I have put more quarters into than that one. Um, it's just wild. And it's something to look back on that game and look at how good it looks and everything. Um, that, that game has not aged a day. If I saw that at the arcade right now, not that they still exist, but if I had an arcade and I went to it, I saw it. I, I mark out mark out over that thing as hard as I did as a kid. It's the show come to life. It's the comics come to life. It was the first thing to really do it that well on that level. And however many quarters my damn mother gave me, that's how many I spent on it. Those are definitely my top three. I mean, you get you get WrestleFest, which I love dearly. NBA Jam, which I dominated fucking ass in. And, you know, at the end of the day, you get that one. And that's that's what you get from me. Uh, he mentioned the gauntlet, but he mentioned Dark Legacy, I think. Uh, I, the original Ooh. gauntlet was the one, uh, when I was a kid, we'd go mm -hmm. to Showbiz Pizza, and I would get so excited mm -hmm. to see gauntlet because my brothers and i could play it even though my youngest brother was probably three and didn't really get it didn't matter we were very excited uh and and we would go play gauntlet and i that when we would go there and this was you know obviously i'm talking about when gauntlet was new we're we're talking the mid early mid 80s um my parents would give us each five dollars and quarters which we thought was a billion dollars and i one time put every quarter i have all at once i didn't wait and play it over time but gauntlet was a game where you put in the more money you put in the more the more health you had but there's definitely a cap but you know eight-year-old me didn't know a damn thing so i put all yeah. five dollars a quarters in it probably only was three quarters worth but it took all my money Jesus. and that was it and i played that game for probably an hour and i was very excited um when i was older i definitely would say 
that same style of game as the Turtles game you mentioned, Simpsons or X Men. Any yes. of those four player games were ones. Again, I could play with friends or my brothers. That made it a good one. But I'll tell you, if I find an arcade now, and uh, and I go to my kids like those dumbass ticket games at every arcade. But I'll find arcades that have a few games left. And if they happen to have either the multicade or just a Burger Time machine, I will spend every nickel, every quarter I have playing Burger Time until I'm pulled out of there. I I would definitely go with uh, Turtles as my all time favorite. Yes, uh, I think I told the story on here where like we would go down to Kentucky for spring break to my aunt's house, and their Walmart down there would always have the Turtles arcade game in there for, for every other arcade machine in that little entrance way that got switched out over the years. That damn Turtles arcade game was there every yeah. single year and probably spent, uh, you know, who knows how much money on that thing. I know one time she gave us just a jar of quarters to take down there and we still didn't beat Shredder. We got all the way to the end where we were about to, about to kill him and some fat kid was messing he was playing with us and we just got to him ran out of quarters and mm. still didn't beat him it was heartbreaking um but uh god i guess dig dug is my my Ooh. all-time favorite like classic arcade game and uh, virtual racing virtual racing i that was in our walmart up here when it first came out which was kind of crazy to be in a mm-hmm. walmart but when that came out it blew my mind and anytime I could get 50 cents from my grandparents to go over there and, and play at the checkout machine or checkout registers or whatever, it was mind blowing. I loved it. It was it was so cool and just one of the coolest arcade cabinets of all time, uh, just way ahead of its time. Just super amazing. But I, I think that's um, those are probably my top three. If I thought about it much longer, I could probably find like six or seven more to put in there. Um, but I think that's going to do it. Thank you so much for writing an echo. You didn't put your name in, so that's what I'm going to call you. Um, that's going to do it for all of our questions. Uh, again, if, if you want to write into us and, and have us ramble on for about complete nonsense for like an hour, just go over to retrovania.net, scroll all the way down to the bottom, check out that contact form, fill it out, press submit, and through the magic of the internet, we will eventually get it and read it on here like we did today. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's it for me. Well, and if if you also, while you're there, you're thinking, I wish I had more episodes of Retrovaniacs, the best way to do that is to join our Patreon. Uh, there's a, the $5 tier gets you three bonus episodes per month and access to all the previous bonus episodes that have never been on this feed, uh, over 100 right now. So there's plenty of extra Retrovaniacs for you to go through. But also, if you're like, I want these guys to cover my game, I've asked in letters, mm. I've sent them notes tied to bricks and through their windows, and they still will not cover yeah. the game. The only way we will do it is to, well, not the only way, but the only way to guarantee it is to join our Patreon at the $10 tier. We'll be forced to cover your game uh, like we did for 16-bit Big Boss. Uh, I will say, if you are a patron and you're at that mark and you have not been contacted, please first check your Patreon because I may have sent you a message. There are several people who have not gotten back to me. Uh, but also then just send me a message. Send a message to the Retrovaniacs Patreon uh, or or send uh, an email through the uh through the form at the bottom of retrovania.net to let us know you have not been contacted. We will get back to you. Uh, I do not want anyone to think we are not covering their game. I think so far we've done a pretty good job of hitting everybody, but I know there's at least two I people mean, that have man, not replied. The games we the games we fucking covered, and you think we're not going to cover yours? No, we You've will. heard some of these shitters. Come on now. Wow. We've, 
uh, overall, I've been very happy with our patron selections. And, and if, so again, if you have not heard from me, please do reach out. Uh, but we probably have five or six more patron requests in the queue outside of Halloween games. I think we got nothing but patron requests coming. Woo! So uh, that, that's awesome. Actually, it means there's a lot of games that we probably have never played. So uh, look forward to that. I know the next episode, assuming we're all here, will be another patron request. And we will see you then.